five teenagers are given the ability to transform into any animal they touch. Using this technology, they alone must fight a secret infiltration of Earth by a parasitic race of aliens known as the Yerks. They can't tell you who they are or where they are from, but we're here to tell you their story. This is the Millennial Agenda, Animorphs Edition. Hello and welcome to the Millennial Agenda, Animorphs Edition, a weekly discussion of K.A. Applegate's sci-fi action series, Animorphs. I am your host, Josh Gunderson, and I am joined by my Animorphs Edition co-host, Kevin Morey. This week we are discussing Book 25, The Extreme. Eric the Chi shows up and tells the Animorphs about a new Yerk plan that will allow them to broadcast Candrona rays to every body of water on planet Earth. The Animorphs use Eric's intel to sneak aboard Viscer 3's blade ship to find the location of the satellite, only to learn that it's in the Arctic. The Yerks are using cloned, resurrected aliens known as the Venber to help build the satellite, the Animorphs spend most of this book wandering around trying not to starve or freeze to death or get blasted by the Venber, but it's okay, because they manage to destroy the base, and it's fine. That's it. That's that's my recap. <laughs> that is that is what happens in this book. You are correct. <laughs> I shout out to our first ghost writer, whose name I'm about to butcher, Jeffrey Z- Zulki? Zulkul? And this is actually only one of two that he ghostwrites. He uh, he doesn't do very many. He's the first, and I, I don't know how I feel about this book. I feel like a whole lot of nothing happened because mm-hmm. they spend pages upon pages upon pages just being like, I'm cold. I'm cold. I'm hungry. I'm cold. I mean, to be fair, I'd probably be saying the same things if I was stuck in the Arctic. <laughs> I, yeah, but like, we didn't even get like a fun survivalist adventure. Like, at least when we were like in the time of the dinosaurs, like Cassie's out there fucking whipping up fires and making T Rex sandals. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, but it, it, like, all the common sense that, like, I, I, <sighs> I'm curious, like, I know that the ghostwriters were given outlines that, like, hey, Applegate, Michael Grant, like, hey, here's, like, some bullet points of what happens in this book. Have fun. And I feel like Jeff Zolke, or Zolka, I feel like Jeff, Jeffy Boy, uh, was like, okay, that's, that's cool. Um, I've got some, like, sci-fi ideas rattle around in my head that I haven't been able to do anything with. I got a couple short stories that I'm going to see if I can, like, interject in here. How about non-carbon-based aliens that are cloned but mixed with carbon-based DNA. Granted, we've as we've learned through multiple books, the DNA science does not matter to anybody. <laughs> um, and, like, here's some aliens, and, like, they're... Like, they... Uh. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I, I, I just can't put a thought together, because, like, I... Like, this all felt like a cockamamie plan to put the Animorphs in snow. Because, like, if you think about... First off, if you think about the Yerkes plan, why did it need to be a human satellite? Why did it need to be in the Arctic? Why wouldn't you build that in space? Does It ha- It doesn't have to be on the ground. 
like the Arctic is great because it's far away from everything, but you know what's even further away from everything? <laughs> Fucking space. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's hmm. This book did not need to play out like this well, at all. Apparently, the reason they put it in the Arctic was because they wrote it during a particularly cold winter storm. So I think they started with, how do we get the kids to the Arctic? <laughs> and this is what they came up with. It, it just... I do appreciate whoever's idea it was to finally like exercise a little bit of common sense with the kids disappearing for a long period of time. They're like, ah, the chi... We'll just pretend to be them. Done. But like, oh my god, can you imagine if they died? Imagine if they froze to death up there and that she had to like take over for them forever. That'd be something else. Because they had no way of communicating with anyone what was going Like, at, we are 25 books in. Have y'all not invested in some sort of system to communicate? Granted, you wouldn't be able to do it from the Arctic, but like still. <laughs> yeah, you're asking a lot. I really, that would be too easy. I really, I really am. And I again, I'm curious what kind of direction the ghostwriters were given because the our characters did these didn't feel like our animorphs, but not like in a noticeable way. I mean, maybe it was, it was a lot different when you're like going a month between reading books, but considering like a matter of like five hours happened between me reading the suspicion and me reading the extreme um i was able to be like wait a second something doesn't feel good here because like axe is being a salty dick throughout this entire book i don't know if you noticed that but yeah i did pick up on that actually he i mean he, like he, there was some like andalite smarm at one point when they're like oh viscer three smells he's like andalites don't smell and i'm not making that up that is a line from the book <laughs> and and then, like, it, he's, like, being extra dickish about, like, human units of measurement. Because, like, I, I know we've seen it before, and it's, like, an ongoing joke along the lines of, like, Prince Jake and stuff, where Axe will be like, oh, we've been doing this for 20 of your human minutes. And Marco's like, they're your minutes too, Axe. But for some reason, like, <laughs> much like with the Helmicrons and the shrinking, like, instead of beating into our heads that they've been shrunk down super tiny, we've been getting this, like, oh, Axe is being such a dick with your minutes and your and your units of measurement like what are we just filling up space here like what what was what was going on why was axe being a salty little prick i mean granted he's cold and hungry i'd probably be a little bit of a salty dick too but yeah pick pick your battles and it's especially weird because just two books ago we found out that he and tobias are related and there's just been no acknowledgement of it no, we're really just not, we're not discussing it at all. So he's not only in a bad mood, but like he should be in a good mood. It's almost like, is he pissed off because Tobias is his nephew? Kind of. It's like, I don't know. That's the that's the part about this book that had me the most upset. I mean, I got with the the previous book that they didn't really have time to talk about it because there was so much going on with the Helmicrons, but like not even an acknowledgement is weird especially like you think marco would be cracking jokes about it yeah which i mean it could just be that tobias hasn't said anything yet maybe do we oh no next we get a jake pov maybe our next rachel will get some we'll get some sweet sweet 
Tobias <laughs> parentage. I have no idea where I was going with that. Um, because so again, the 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 base being where it is makes no sense to me because there's obviously, as we learn, people around. Because we meet uh, this complete throwaway character, Derek, the Inuit, we think, um, who mistakes the Animorphs for uh, animal spirits. And that was just, that was all just very weird. Because he's just very blasé about the whole thing. Like, these people show up and morph from animals to human in front of him. And he's like, ah, you must be animal spirits. You look cold. Might I interest you in a pelt? Have you met my BFF, <laughs> the polar bear? Are you with those Star Trek guys? Like, it was just so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it that felt like a very odd inclusion in the book. I mean, I guess, again, it feels like they, they started with, we want it to be cold. How do we get them there? And then they got them there and they were like, okay, so what do they do there? Well, to survive, they'll need a polar bear morph. How do we get a polar bear morph? Um, hmm. Uh, maybe there's a guy who believes in magic and likes polar bears, and he knows one. <laughs> like, but, but even that made no sense, because they see this polar bear early on in the book. They watch it eat a seal. And at no right. point was anyone like, ah, maybe we should acquire that polar bear. And then when they're eating the seal, they, they spot some Arctic foxes, and at no point any of them are like, Maybe we should get one of those motherfuckers. But no, instead they decide to go with a, a, a prey animal. They're like, ah, you know what would be the perfect morph for this situation? Baby fucking seal. <laughs> Let's go baby seal. They definitely don't have any predators, even though we just watched their mother get brutally murdered by this polar bear. It's going to be okay. <laughs> like the, the logic tracking here. I mean, granted, they're cold, but like, my first, like uh, when they first see the polar bear, I'm like, ah, they're gonna go acquire that polar bear, and we're gonna stop hearing about them being cold and hungry. No, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that. Instead, we're gonna, we're gonna contradict other things that we've learned about in the books. Because there's, we and I know we've had this conversation before, and I can't remember where we've landed on it. And I'm pretty sure it was that, or maybe. Uh, so apparently, if you eat in morph, you're solid, because when they're eating the baby right. seal. Uh, they're like, hey, Axe and Tobias, who are morphed as fleas because you don't have anything that can handle the cold. Y'all want some of this sweet, sweet seal meat? And they're like, nah, we're good. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? Thanks, Marco. Because, <laughs> um, so that is, it's apparently officially canon now that if you eat and morph, you're you're good, but then I I can't imagine that eating a drop of blood as a flea translates to a full belly when you return to a, like, I'll just even go with hawk form. Those are the end of my thoughts. If you have anything yeah, no, I'm just like, does that mean that like when he goes back to hawk, it, does he have like a stomach full of blood? But like, it wouldn't be too full because a flea can't consume that much. Right, right. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. I don't know. There's too many things <laughs> not making sense around here. I can't try to justify them all. <laughs> uh, well, can you help me justify Visser Three's torture chamber bedroom? He's into some kinky shit. What I mean, what do you, <laughs> what do you expect? It's Visser Three. Confirm that Visser Three is into BDSM. That's yeah. 
That's okay. Because why else would you have an Iron Maiden attached to your wall in your spaceship? That I mean, again, I know it's it's ghost written, but actually that actually felt surprisingly out of character for Visser Three for me. That felt very like cartoon yeah. supervillain. Yeah, he, it's like a little bit too much of like a if he had a mustache, he'd be twirling it kind of a vibe. Yeah, though I can I can I can say for certain that at some point or another he has he has shaken his angry six fingered tiny fist at the sky and yelled, seven "Damn fingers. you, Andalite bandits!" It's six, isn't it six? It's seven. Uh, who the fuck knows? No one knows what an Andalite looks like. I do. They have seven fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen them. All right. Seven doesn't feel right. Um, either way, that's what's that's what he's I, I imagine he's done that because we get a lot of those cartoonish moments with them anyway. But that yeah, that just that felt very odd to me. And all of a sudden he's not concerned about like he's got flies buzzing around him. At no point is he like, ah, this is suspicious. <sighs> it's our first foray into ghost written world and it's we don't get but like because our next book is not ghost written it's written by ka applegate and then we bounce right back to ghost written books so i'm curious to to see how i feel about them in book 27 which is i believe a rachel pov if i remember correctly yeah um, that one um that one's okay we we kind of get introduced to a, a different side of the series in that book. I know that much. <laughs> so I I was kind of flashing back um, to uh, Cassie's POV book uh, about the alien space toilet in Zone ninety one because mm -hmm. uh, much like with their their horse morphs walking wandering onto a military base, uh, they're just able to like conga line as polar bears into this yerk base. <laughs> until somebody spots them and realizes something is off. And I just really enjoyed that. Apparently they didn't install actual alarms in this facility. So their way of alerting everybody is just standing there screaming, alarm, 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 alarm. Well, it was the nineties, you know, <laughs> they didn't have the technology to have an actual alarm that would sound off in their secret alien base where they're building a giant satellite to launch Kendrona rays around the world. They did not exactly. have the technology for an alarm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Correct. I'm, uh, I'm not buying it. I, I, maybe it was backordered. <laughs> <laughs> I just, that's alarm. I mean, the only <laughs> thing I can think of to try to make an excuse is that Visor 3 was cocky and didn't think that alarms would be needed because how would the Andalite bandits ever know about this operation? That's true. I mean, apparently Visor 3 doesn't stick around. I mean, they're not... They're up there for, like, a couple days at best, and apparently... Like, and Visor 3 knew they were there because they... They murdered a taxon. Well, they flat out murdered a taxon. It then murdered itself because we got to see some uh, taxon self-cannibalism happen, which we've discussed before and I thought had already happened, but it didn't. This is this is our first taxon self-cannibalism uh, encounter. And that was gross. 
So that was fun for him, I suppose. And that alerts Visser 3. So, and they, they have a, a mini battle on the blade ship. So he knows they're there, but apparently he trusted the the Venber and his people to take care of them. And was like, all right, well, it's fucking cold. I'm going to go play with my Iron Maiden. See ya! <laughs> that was that was apparently his plan. Um, and I guess we I, I guess we should talk about the the Venber, which um, are a thing in this book, and good for them. It was a very I'm I'm curious because we also hear about um, the five, which are apparently a thing that the Andalites, older Andalites, battled at some point. Yeah, and I don't think we ever hear anything about the five again. Well, that's fucking irritating. Because at least when when Ka would drop weird stuff like that, it meant we were going to see it again. It meant there was more to happen. Um, but now I'm just annoyed that now that you've you've said that out loud. Um, and so the Venver are. Supposedly extinct, but the Yerks somehow managed to bring them back um, using cloning. And Axe theorizes that they've uh, managed to do so by mixing DNA with the only thing available to them, which was humans. And that makes no sense. I mean, it makes some sense. Like, that's probably the best choice out of all the DNA options available. But, I, I, you, th but they, they're described as non-carbon-based, and DNA is carbon-based. Right, we're just gonna... It's, again, wave of the magic <laughs> wand. DNA does whatever we want it to do whenever we want it to do it, so... And then they're controlled by apparently microchips that can be programmed to either build a satellite or attack some polar bears. And they Yeah, you know, whatever I... you need it to do. Just the basic <laughs> everyday uses. And they have uh they have ski feet and they use echolocation. Like who like I I'm sorry, what what mushrooms was was Jeffrey Zuki? <laughs> on when he wrote this he was like ah i got a great deal sci-fi kids morphing into animals drop some acid and start writing <laughs> i can imagine that's uh that's how that happened um and i guess the only other thing of note was this really kind of it was a, an amusing moment for me where the polar bear had killed the seal and the animorphs are all like sitting there like drooling and licking their lips and they apparently all turn to Cassie and are like, hey, is it cool if we go, like, chow down on that corpse? And she's like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, what, like, <laughs> I'm not about to pull some, like, PETA bullshit on you guys. If you need to eat to survive, then yes, eat the seal. Right. Like, <laughs> it was just, it, but it was such a weird and I, I, I Marco kind of writes it off as like, oh, I've never heard her snap like that before. Must be that she's hungry and like we've never seen her snap like that before either so it felt so weirdly out of character but 
but then like how it was very i guess ka applegate esque to um add insult to injury of the dead seal being like oh look there's its kids over there let's go bully it out of the water with dolphin morphs and get its dna <laughs> and I guess we should also mention uh, that Marco, as a gorilla, puts Nanook the polar bear in a, a, a like a deadlock so that they can acquire it. Yeah, that to me, I don't know. I think I just have a, a, a hard time visualizing a gorilla and a polar bear next to each other. So like the scale, I can't really like picture it. But I feel like a gorilla couldn't really do that. Well, Rachel was helping as a grizzly bear. Yeah, but even, I mean, like, physically, like, could he really get his arms around? And, like, I don't know. I Maybe, maybe I need a, another trip to Animal Kingdom where I just ask, hey, could a, could a, gri a gorilla put a polar bear <laughs> in a full Nelson? Don't ask why. <laughs> Please don't dig any deeper into this line of questioning. Just let me know. If we have any zoologists listening... Uh, do you believe that a gorilla could put a polar bear in a, a, a full Nelson? Drop me a DM. Hit me up on the Twitter. I don't know. I've got, I've got questions. They don't have polar bears in Animal Kingdom, do they? No, they don't. No. SeaWorld, maybe? Do they? I don't think they do. Nope. SeaWorld does not. Well, that's morbid. So I searched Google, like, does SeaWorld have polar bears? And it's got the people also ask, are there still polar bears at SeaWorld? And the first line is, SeaWorld San Diego's polar bear, Senja, is dead. Well, that's cool. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> why? Why would you? Why would you hurt me like that, Google? Um, <laughs> but apparently... Um, at least as of this Orlando Sentinel article written in 2014, um, there are no polar bears at SeaWorld. Yeah, so again, it was just, this felt to me, this is a very straightforward book. Um, I guess coming off of the heels of the suspicion, it was better than, but felt equally as pointless. Yeah, this is definitely one of those, like, skippable, like, okay, this is a fun side adventure, but, like, grand scheme of things nobody really grows as a character nothing really happens in the plot that affects other books we've got like a once and done alien creature thing with the vember and then that's it yeah i guess now everyone's got a polar bear morph though so that's fun for them and i mean uh marco gets a date in this book so that was you know nice until he screws it up by falling asleep <laughs> which like i mean same i i don't i don't find uh orchestras that exciting i've been to one before it was um it was actually i really enjoyed it but if i were tired i could easily fall asleep in that kind of performance yeah i i mean it also was long enough that it had two acts i feel like that's too long to be watching <laughs> an orchestra like maybe maybe 45 minutes is a good amount of time but two acts worth of that's too much that's too much so <laughs> and i mean we know it wasn't gonna last with her anyway i guess because it was a marco book it had to start with some weird like 
Marco crushing on somebody antics. Right. That seems to be like the the easy kickoff point for Marco books is like flirting with trying to get a date with like kind of storylines. Yeah, which I mean, we're starting to see that like, we're seeing that develop a lot because like uh, even with the last book, um, it's Cassie and Rachel and Rachel making fun of Cassie's clothes, which we've seen now in every Cassie POV. Uh, they do not have a good friendship. They need to reevaluate <laughs> that friendship. And oh, I there is one last thing I wanted to bring up, and I wrote it down because I didn't. I I read it and processed it in the suspicion, but I was so angry at everything about that book <laughs> that I forgot. Um, but apparently, at at the barn, the the wildlife uh, rescue center at, at Cassie's farm, um, uh-huh. they're just really big on suppositories. Because in the last book, we have, uh, like, Cassie actively giving a suppository to a goose. And I can't imagine that was pleasant for anybody. Uh, (laughs) But then as Marco is talking about the barn again in this book, he mentions giving suppositories to animals. Like, what the fuck are these? Like, these kids' lives aren't messed up enough that they're sitting there just shoving shit up animals' butts? I just... Perhaps, I mean, our, I think suppositories might just be, like, a more common thing for animals, maybe. I, you know, I really don't, I really don't know. I've, like... Zoologists, chime in. Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> Is it common practice to shove things in animals' butts? One of the Megs get back to me. Because, like, I've, I've had, I've had animals my entire life. Like, we've had a large... I was about to say you've had suppositories. No, I have not. It's like, <laughs> we um... don't need to know the... But like I, I mean, all three of my cats have had to like have pills, and they were all like they were all oral. They all got shoved down their throats against their will. Mm-hmm. Um, even with the dogs, um, you know, we wrapped it up in cheese or peanut butter and gave it to the dogs. Um, I can't, I can't remember the horses ever getting sick, so I don't know about that. Um, and like how, I mean, I know the logistics of it, but like giving a suppository to a goose, what does that entail? Well, you put... I know, no, I know, but, like, I... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I haven't been... Actually, I know I have been around geese recently, but not, like, I have not been staring at their butts being like, I wonder if I can get a pill up there. Um, (laughs) I'd imagine with a goose, though, it would be easier because those things are fucking vicious and bitey and trying to shove a pill down their long ass neck. So I guess that kind of right. actually, but I, so I, one of the Megs, if you're listening, uh, shoot me, shoot me a message and let me know how common suppositories are. Or Julie, Julie, do you listen to the Animorphs editions? I could just ask this in our group chat, but I'm just going to ask it on here. So if you are listening, let me know. And if you don't listen, then no harm done. The true test of friendship. <laughs> ask you a question during the podcast to make sure you're really listening (laughs) yeah well i know she listens to the regular ones i'm not sure about the animorphs ones um so who knows uh but that's that's all i have this this was just yeah this this was a this was a book that happened it sure was (laughs) it sure was you know i'm i'm less angry than i was with the suspicion but like I, I finished it last night, and I was like, ah, 
this was supposed to be my palate cleanser, and I don't know how I feel. And then I realized that the popcorn that I was eating, a little kernel got stuck in my tooth, and so that really kind of uh, took over my 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 brainwaves for the rest of the evening until I got it out. I just think the whole idea of the Yerks trying to turn every swimming pool in the world into a Candrona pool is just very silly and very super villainy. And um... it doesn't track with them trying to, like, stay under the radar. Right. Well, I think the impression I got is that the the swimming pools still look like swimming pools. Like, they won't be filled with, like, the typical Yerk pool sludge. Will they work then? Because there's also like you're, you got chlorine in there. I feel like that's not conducive to Yerk survival. I'll say this: we do see at some point in the series an example of a Yerk in a swimming pool. So, stay tuned. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> On that note, um, thank you for listening. Hopefully, next week gets better. <laughs> I. I can only because I, I don't if if the books stay like this, I don't know how much longer I can take it. It's worth it getting to the end, trust me. Uh, better. No, I I mean I know it. I know it is. We're also we're also getting into the territory of Josh has not read these yet. Um, I definitely read this one. I remember bits and pieces of this uh, from my childhood, but I know we're getting close to what the fuck is going on i've never read this before so that this <laughs> might get even more exciting but i'm i'm more lost now than i was when we first started this so good for me i suppose um next week we will be discussing book 26 the attack if you would like to read along check out the show notes for a link to download the entire series for free on pdf the graphic novel of the invasion is now available wherever you buy books and the graphic novel of the visitor is coming out so very soon in October, which could be like days from now, depending on when you're listening to this. So that's exciting for you. Uh, links to purchase. Those are in the show notes. New episodes of the millennial agenda are available every Monday with new animal editions each Friday. You can find the millennial agenda, all of your favorite social media, Instagram and Facebook as the millennial agenda and millennial AG pod on Twitter. And you can support the podcast on Buy Me a Coffee or by purchasing fun merchandise from the Hot Mess Press Co. on Etsy, where you can find Millennial Agenda merchandise, including some fun Animorphs stuff. Please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, y'all, happy reading! Random side note for the parents that listen. Um, if y'all remember Pizza Hut's Book It program, where you read books and got a free personal pan pizza, that's back. Yeah. What? It's back. Did you? I post. I just. I just posted it on uh, my my professional blog because um, I have one of those. Um, I but I did put the link on my Facebook yeah. page. Do you have to be a child for that? You or? do. It's. Uh, I believe it. Ah. The cutoff is age twelve, which is bull shit. I mean, like the cl- I could pass for twelve. <laughs> I could make it. Work. The closest that we have is um, the Goodreads reading challenge, but you don't get a prize for completing that. Which, um, come on, Goodreads, you're owned by Amazon and they have a shit ton of money. Give me a free prize for meeting <laughs> my because my I challenged myself to read a hundred books this year, and I'm almost halfway there. So I feel like I deserve a prize that I don't have to pay for.
but I also like thinking about the program. I, I now also realize why I crave pizza every 